Hello, friends. My name is Marcy Youngster, and you are listening to the Catholic Whisperer Podcast. This channel will be about discussing how to live your faith, love your family, and create a life of fulfillment by becoming your very best and helping everyone in your path. Hello, friends. As part of my series called Come Home for Christmas, I wanted to share a story of the conversion of my dear friend Connie. But before I get into that, I want to explain that my lifelong goal has been to be evangelistic and a missionary ever since I was a little child. I remember I was nine years old on the playground at the parochial school in St. Louis, standing on the playground all alone and just thinking that I wished I could one day go to China and tell all of the people about Jesus and about being Catholic. So why I'm sharing that is because your hidden desires, your hidden longings, uh, your calling may very well have started when you were a child. And the more I learn about the Irish and the different gifts and callings of different nationalities, I realize that a lot of my soul's yearning is to be an evangelist, is to attract others to God, and that that's really a big part of the Irish. I have a lot of Irish blood. I also have English and some Scottish and some Danish, etc. But I feel very, very Irish in my heart. And in listening to an Irish priest from Ireland and other speakers talk about the Irish, I am quite amazed to discover how I do things is very Irish. So the reason I'm explaining all this is that my heart's desire is to attract every single person I know into the bosom of the Catholic Church, into the mystical body of Christ. And I'm well aware that there is a lot of bias against the Catholic Church, and that a lot of people within the Catholic Church, the clergy, etc., have given great scandal. But I'm always quick to remind people that the first 12 apostles, actually the first Catholic bishops, Two of them betrayed Christ also, St. Peter and Judas. And the difference is Peter repented and allegedly Judas did not. So our Lord was showing us from the get-go that we are all human, we are all called to be saints, but even those called to the highest levels sometimes will fall. So I digress. The reason I'm explaining all of this is because I so seldom meet people who have my zeal or understanding of the importance of living a truly Catholic life. And that is why I want to do this podcast. I'm meeting people who are telling me, Marcy, 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 you must do this, you must do this. And of course, I have all the inner doubts of, well, I don't know if people will even care. 
Nonetheless, because it's so filled, because my heart is so filled to the brim with this desire, I'm just going to put the words out there and trust that God will send them to the hearts where he wants um, them to land, okay? So part of my life calling is to be an evangelist, is to share the gospel. It has been that way since a child, and it has always been my longing to quote-unquote convert people. And this message is directed to people who might share my same desires. They want to bring people to Christ. They want to bring people into the Catholic Church. They don't know how. They think they're not good enough. They don't know how to say the words. They don't know how to teach the catechetics, and so they do nothing. And so the story I'm going to share today is designed and meant to be an encouragement to those of you who have those concerns, because I sort of had those too. In other words, I carry the desires in my heart. I pray for this constantly, but it's very seldom that I got to see the the fruits of my prayers. So I'm going to probably be sharing these stories of my friend Connie, perhaps over several podcast issues, because I don't want my podcasts to be too long. I'd like them to be 25 minutes or less so that people can listen to them very quickly. Nonetheless, I just want to make it clear that what I'm sharing is to hopefully encourage those of you who would like to attract people to the faith and don't know how, and also to call to those who are baptized Catholic and have not been living their faith as my personal invitation to come home this Christmas or any other time of the year if if you are listening to this at a later time. There are a lot of pieces to this story of Connie, and I'm just going to unpack them as I speak. Being an extrovert, I tend to think very well out loud, so I'm just going to speak into this microphone and edit as I need to. So here's how the story goes. March 19th, 2023, I had invited my younger son, Brendan, to go to, I believe it was the 930 Mass, because his middle name is Joseph. It's the fe- It was the Feast of St. Joseph. And my son, Brendan, who's 24, routinely takes me out on a date, a mother-son date, once a month. And so seeing as it was a Sunday, it was the Feast of St. Joseph, I said, Brendan, I normally go to the 730 Mass. I know you don't want to go that early. How about we go to the 930 Mass? He said, fine. So he picked me up and we went to the 930 Mass. My husband and grandson went separately to the earlier Mass. At the conclusion of the Mass, as I was preparing to leave, my dear friend Elizabeth came up to me with urgency and tapped me on the shoulder and said, Marcy, Marcy, please, can you come quickly? Connie is here and she has, she has stage four cancer and she's been given two to three weeks to live. Can you come pray over her? Well, I was immediately... Uh, on alert. Of course, I wanted to go pray over her. I was shocked to hear this news. I had known her for a couple of years, just very, very uh, superficially um, from networking, etc. Nonetheless, I went over and I spoke with her. Now, I knew I did not have the time to pray over her totally because my son, being 24, I knew would be antsy to get home. 
So nonetheless, I went over and I spoke to Connie and she looked very, very sick. She looked like she was on heavy medication and she looked distressed. So I went over there and I spoke with her and I started praying over her. And I experienced an inner nudging of the Holy Spirit to offer her a small three-inch crucifix that had a St. Benedict medal on it. Um, I was I was given the strong urge to give this to her. And of course, in my mind, I argued and saying she's not going to want this because I knew she was not Catholic. My friend Elizabeth had brought her to the Mass because she was hoping that she would experience some comfort and possibly healing. Nonetheless, I had this insistent urging to offer her the St. Benedict Crucifix, which amazingly was only in my purse because another fallen away Catholic whom I had given it to a few months ago, for some inexplicable reason, suddenly announced she didn't want it. She suddenly announced, I don't want to hear anything more about the Catholic Church, which actually quite horrified me. I'd never had anyone so abruptly slam the door on me and on my invitation and on my gift. And so she sent it back. And so it was this rejected crucifix, in a sense, the rejected Lord that lay in my purse for about five days because I hadn't gotten around to taking it out of my purse and uh, putting it back into my little closet. So I took this crucifix out of my purse and I said to Connie, would you like this? Knowing she was not a Catholic. Her eyes widened and she said, yes. So I carefully took the crucifix out of my purse and gently placed it around her neck. And I, I, I prayed over her very briefly. I told her I would not be able to pray totally because I had to take my son home. Would she like me to come to her house later? Yes, yes, please. Meanwhile, a priest walked by and I said to the priest, Father Felipe, um, my friend Connie is stage four cancer. She's in hospice. Would you please give her a blessing? So he stopped and he gave her a blessing. Connie had wanted to meet with our pastor, Father Justin, but this particular Sunday, the church was filled with teenagers who had just been confirmed, and they were all in the front of the church having photographs taken. We could tell it was going to be quite a while, and so Connie's hope of meeting with a pastor was had to be parked, had to be abandoned. Nonetheless, I th- I suspect, I don't know, I suspect Father Felipe somehow managed to get word to Father Justin that there was a lady in the back of the church who was on hospice and wanted prayers. Because as Connie got up to leave and approached the doors of the church, suddenly standing before her was Father Justin. And it was very close to the chrism oils in, in our parish church. He asked her, had she been baptized? And she had been. And so according to church teaching, if someone has been baptized, even if they're not a full member of the Catholic Church, they can receive the anointing of the sick. So Father Justin carefully removed the bottle, the beautiful flask of chrism oil blessed by the bishop, and he proceeded to anoint her with the anointing of the sick. My friend Elizabeth, always handy with her her, uh, iPhone, recorded the whole thing. It was absolutely surreal. Now, what I forgot to tell you is that a quote-unquote mistake occurred at this Mass. 
And the mistake was that one of the Eucharistic ministers mistakenly thought Connie was a Catholic, and she gave her the Holy Eucharist in Holy Communion. Connie, after this event of receiving our Lord and receiving the anointing of the sick, and she actually was also blessed by another priest on the way out because Elizabeth asked him to bless her. So all in all, Connie received blessings from three priests. She received the anointing of the sick, and she received the Holy Eucharist, all being a Protestant. Now, she went home, and I went home, and later that afternoon, I returned I, I returned home. I, I went to her house, and I brought a blessed candle, and I, I brought my healing oil, and I, I said all sorts of prayers over her. She was very, very sick. She was very, very weak, but she was very beautiful. She was sitting in a chair with a beautiful royal blue velvet robe, and all I could think of was she looked like a queen. So I prayed over her lots of prayers. I brought my prayer book of Father Ripiger. I did deliverance prayers. I don't remember. I was there about half an hour. And I, I said to her, would you like me to come again? She said, oh, please, please, will you come again? And I said, Connie, I will come and visit you as often as you want until you pass. Now, I had been told she was expected to pass within two to three weeks. But as the situation developed, it actually was seven months. In fact, it was 108 days before she passed. So I'm going to be sharing with you the whole saga, the whole development of what transpired in the next 108 days. I certainly don't pressure people to become Catholic, and I never said a thing about that to Connie. I merely showed up almost every day to pray with her, to comfort her, to love her. And uh, over time, I got to know her better. I learned she is Creole. And Creole, um, in case you don't know what that means, in her case meant she was 75% African, but 25% French. And Connie, I have to say, was one of those Creoles who was exquisite. In so many ways, it's hard to put it into words. She had this sweetness, this gentleness. At times, she was regal. At times, she was like a little fawn, like a little doe. At times, she was childlike. In times, she was um, uh, imperious. And But she was always grateful. And she would constantly say that her Heavenly Father loved her. She constantly knew that she was beloved of God the Father. Over time, as I was speaking with Connie, she shared with me a lot of traumas in her life. She had never properly felt loved by either of her parents, had gone through a lot of adversity. She didn't go into all of the details, but I gathered it was pretty horrific at times. Nonetheless, I just felt God was telling me to go there and to love her and to be available, to pray for her, etc. Now, over time, she would go up and down in her, her therapies, in her pain meds, and I don't exactly recall the entire chronology, but I started to talk to her about 
different things. Obviously, I shared my Catholicism. I would bring a blessed candle. We we would I would bring prayer books. And one day, as I was driving to her house, I felt this overwhelming, I don't know what you would call it, realization, invitation, uh, instruction, that I needed to love her as though she was my own daughter. I just understood God wanted me to love her. Just love her as though she's your own child. Amazingly, on that day, as I was sitting there just talking with her, she turned to me and abruptly said, what has our Heavenly Father told you about me? And I'm like, what? That's a very unusual question. She said, what has our Heavenly Father told you about me? I was dumbstruck because how many people do you know who will assume that God has told you something about them? Nonetheless, she asked me this and she kept her eyes fixed on me, expecting an answer. And then I quickly remembered the instruction that had come down over me in my car on the way over there. And I said to her, "Um, God wants me to love you as though you're my only child. Um, Excuse me. God wants me to love you as though you are my child, as though you are my daughter. And she's just watching me. And then I said, and I will be perfectly honest with you, Connie. If you were my daughter, if you were my actual biological daughter, I would do everything, absolutely everything to bring you into the Catholic Church. And then I said no more. I said no more about becoming Catholic, nothing. I just dropped it. But what I did do is I went home. I have an amazing Catholic library. I am constantly investing in phenomenal books on apologetics, on instruction, on the saints, on the mass, you on healing, on everything. I love ideas. I love I love learning and I know that I really want to create a platform where I share the faith and so I need to be well versed and well instructed. So I went home and I found a book. It was a very simple read. I don't recall the exact title because I gave it to her, but it was basically why I become Catholic or something like that. So I just said, here, I brought you a gift and I left it with her. And then I said no more. I continued to visit her. I continued to love her. I have this little custom where I uh, will ask permission and say, may I place a little cross with my fingers on your forehead? And she had allowed me to do that the very first day, actually, on March 19th. Now, she probably didn't understand what that meant to me. But what that meant to me is I feel a personal calling to be an extension of Jesus, to be what I like to call a little shepherdess of the Good Shepherd out in the world. So I feel my calling is to be a gentle voice, comfort, guide, coach, you name it, presence of the Good Shepherd out ministering to his lambs. And so when I ask a person, if I may give them what I call a little blessing from Jesus, I'm not acting like a a Catholic priest. I am merely branding my lamb. I am branding a soul that I have selected to be part of my little flock. 
All of these lambs belong to Jesus, of course. But I have a little conversation with Jesus, and I'm like, I want to help you in my own little way, in my own little corner, as the Cinderella song says, in my own little corner, in my own little chair, I can be whatever I want to be. See, like that, in my own little corner of the world, I can be whatever I want to be with Jesus. And I want to be his shepherdess. I want to go out and find the lambs who are lost, who are broken, who are confused, who are abandoned, who are in doubt, who don't know him or don't know him uh, as fully as they could by receiving him in Holy Communion. And I want to use all of the gifts, all of the inspirations, all of the education, all of my life experiences, all of my sorrows and adversities. I want to package it all up and use all of that as a healing balm or as a little instruction or as a little inspiration to whisper and attract the souls to Jesus. That is why I call myself the Catholic Whisperer, and I consider myself the little shepherdess of the Good Shepherd. So Connie agreed, and I branded her. She's now my little lamb. And what I told her as when I learned that she was Creole, I said, you're my little Creole lamb. She loved this. Because, my friends, what I have learned and am learning in this whole journey of being an evangelist it's to love the souls who are on your path, it, using your unique personality, using your unique gifts and calling, and letting the person, in whatever way God inspires you to, to let that person know you see her or him, and you appreciate them. You appreciate the uniqueness, and you identify and affirm different unique qualities of that person so that if all of their life they've been in the shadows, they have felt unseen, unloved, unknown, unappreciated, that you can show up in that person's life, maybe in in the course of three to five minutes, and with your smile, with your glance, with your words, with your hug, with whatever, whatever God has given you to share, you can share that with that person to basically give them a sense of their dignity, of their nobility, of their uniqueness, and how special you esteem them because they are made in the image and likeness of God. And the Good Shepherd desperately wants this person to know of his love. So we each can become a Catholic whisperer to a soul. We each can become a shepherdess of the Good Shepherd or a shepherd of the Good Shepherd, if you are a man or a boy. So I'm going to stop here, and I will carry on into another episode, more of the details of the conversion of my dear friend Connie. Until next time, love the faith, live the faith, and spread the faith, my friends. So my friends, we've come to the end of today's broadcast. I invite you to subscribe and share the Catholic Whisperer podcast with all of your friends. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram as the Catholic Whisperer. Until next time, together, let us live our faith, love our faith, learn our faith, spread our faith, and be our faith. 
I'm Marcy Youngster. Until next time, God bless you and everyone you love.